okay? Jumping back into it, I'm, I'm excited to go here. This, this might be our last week, it might not. I might give you another week of it after this, but I'm excited to jump in here. And today what I want to talk about is idols, all right? What is an idol? Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. What is it? A false god? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's an idol like literally right now to you guys? Sure. Something you what? Something you appreciate. Okay, okay, yes but no, right? Yes but no. He said uh, something you appreciate. Yeah, Adrian. What's that? A famous person. It can be a famous person for sure. LeBron James. All right, what else? What's an idol? It's something you worship, right? It's something that is a little bit further, okay? So today what I want to do is I want to show you guys what it looks like when we start following false idols and, and, and what God has to think about those and, and what should we do with that. You see, here's the thing, all right, when it comes to our life, um, we are quick to make anything an idol, right? When we think about it, just for a second, somebody said Taylor Swift a second ago, right? The truth of the matter is, is that Taylor Swift has become an idol for a lot of people, and, and that's why she's risen so far on the charts so quickly and things like that, man. Like, um, people are willing to spend tons and tons of money just to see her, right? And, and I'm not telling you whether she's bad or not, but what I'm telling you is, like, if you have a problem where you're worshiping, you got to see everything that she's putting out there. you got to know where her and Travis had their last date. Man, maybe um, something else is going on. But there's another thing that we consider an idol, and Matt and I were just talking earlier uh, about this, right? Um, it, it's something that, man, it's, if we're not careful, it becomes an idol, and we don't mean for it to become an idol. Matt, you want to tell what it is? Apple, your phones, right? It's so easy for our phones to become an idol. Why is it so easy for our phones to become an idol? We're always on them, right? We're always scrolling. We're always checking it out. Man, it's so easy to just get lost in it, right? And, and so I love hanging out with um, you guys, and I love to spend time with you. But, man, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's funny because as I've done this now, this is my, what, wow, wow. This is my 13th year of ministry, right? So I'm, I'm a full middle schooler into this thing now. So as I've done it, I've seen phones become more and more of an issue. I've seen people who are just completely addicted to their phones and they can't not look at them, right? Um, let me ask you this question. If your phone buzzes, do you have to look at it? No? But for some of us, the answer is absolutely, right? For some of us, um, we sleep with our phones next to our pillow, and it's a terrible thing. Uh, psychology behind this tells us, like, like, you can't disconnect. You're afraid of missing out. That FOMO is real for you and your phone. And, and, and listen, here's the thing. I'm not here to hate on you today. I'm just here to give you God's word today. So today what I want to do is I want to show you how we can maybe make a change from having idols in our life to really worshiping the true God, okay? There's a movie for all the people who are my age and older in here who would have seen this movie. I, I would assume every single adult in this room has seen this movie. It's maybe one of your favorites or maybe not. It swept across the nation. People loved it. It's got a famous actor named Tom Hanks in it, okay? It's possibly one of his greatest films, all right? In this movie, he plays a character named Forrest, all right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> it's, it's Forrest Gump, and he, he's got this phrase, and, and maybe your parents have said it before, maybe not. He says, life is like a box of chocolate. Everybody knows it, right? And so in, in this movie, it's, it's really interesting. He's got this crush, and it's like a huge crush on this girl, right? But it wasn't just any girl. Who was the girl? There you go, Miss Pat. Thank you. It's Jen A, right? And, and, and it's so just awesome, but like 
it never works out for him in Gen A, right? Like when you really think about it. And, and he goes off to war. He does some other stuff. And at some point he decides, like, I just need to clear my head. I need to just get my hair clear. And so what does he do? He does what? He runs. Where does he run? He runs everywhere. He runs across the country how many times? Anybody know? How many? That's too many. That's too many. Anybody? Yeah. You got it? No, he doesn't know. You, you don't know. How many times? No, that's too many. He runs across. Who said four? Who said four? Good job. Good job. Four times, okay? Four times he runs across the country. And here's what happens. The news starts to pick up on it. The news says, hey, this guy's been doing this over and over again. Forrest, why are you running? And he's like, just running, right? And what happens is the people, all of a sudden, he starts getting a following. All of a sudden, people want to be around him. All of a sudden, people are now chasing this guy as he's running across the country, and they're just trying to run with him. And then it takes me to this part of the movie, which is so interesting. Check this out. said you got to put the past behind you before you can move on and I think that's what my running was all about I had run for three years two months 14 days and 16 hours I'm pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. Now what are we supposed to do? And just like that. My running days was over, so I went home to Alabama. Did you guys catch that? The guy asked a question. What does he say? He says, now what are we supposed to do? Now what are we supposed to do? These guys are just following him. There's no reason to follow Farts. There's no reason to run with this guy. And now this guy's asking this question. He goes, what am I supposed to do now that my idol, now that the thing that I've been chasing after is done, what am I supposed to do? You see, here's the thing. When it comes to idols in our life, they leave us feeling empty. They leave us wanting something more. I've told you guys a lot of time, there's a God-sized hole in every single one of our hearts. And only God can fill it. But oftentimes we try to fill it with so many other things. And nothing can fill that hole except for God. And that's where we pick up in Kings today. We pick up with a king. Um, last week we talked about Asa. This week we're talking about Ahab. Right? Ahab was an absolutely terrible king. He's known as probably the worst king that they had, period. Right? He's probably known as the worst king of Israel. It says that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And under the rule of Ahab and his wife Jezebel, idolatry and pagan worship ran rampant throughout the nation. 
Last week we talked about Asa and how he even took his own grandma and he said, nah, you ain't having that idol stuff here. And he took her and removed her from her position and he knocked it down, right? This week we see a completely different story. First Kings chapter 16, it says this, picking up verse 29. Ahab, son of Amrari, uh, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years, but Ahab, son of Amari, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than the kings before him. That's a huge one. Listen to that. Even more before the kings before him. As though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethabel, or Ethabel of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down and worship to Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal and Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Whew. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Listen to this. I just want to give you guys a little bit more. You guys remember the Battle of Jericho? We talked about that like a long time ago, right? It was when Joshua and them showed up to that. They marched around it seven times. And what did they do to knock down the walls? Remember, I had to shout. You guys want to shout again? You want to shout one more time? Go ahead. Three, two, one, shout. Thank you. Perfect. That's what they did. Frank, you're amazing. All right. They shouted. All right. But look, during this time, this is an interesting fact, okay? And so it's kind of like it, they just give us this little tidbit right here. And I wanted you guys to see it, okay? Verse 34. All right. It says this. It was during his reign that Hael, uh, a man of Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid its foundation, it cost him the life of his oldest son, Abiram. And when he had completed it and set up the gates, um, it cost him the life of his youngest son, I don't even know, Sigub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by son, Joshua, son of Nun. Do you remember there was this promise that if anybody rebuilds the walls of Jericho, if anybody rebuilt this city, that it would cost them their kids' lives? This is just that prophecy becoming fulfilled, which is absolutely insane. So I have a simple thing I want to do today. I want to just give you guys a couple of questions. You're going to talk fast. You have about 30 seconds to answer. Two questions we're going to throw up behind me. Go ahead. All right, first question is this. What does Ahab's introduction tell you about him? Second, what do you learn about his wife, Jezebel? Talk to each other. Go. I got to talk to each other. You know? It's okay to talk. I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you She's not good. She's not good. Why is she not good? Somebody said that. Uh, so God told them not to marry into uh, outside of their country, right? Outside of where he's from. And so they chose to marry somebody else. Why? Yeah, they wanted to kill her dad. Specifically Baal, right? So they shouldn't have done it. That's why it takes it down a terrible road. Okay, here we go. Man, I know uh, you guys have great ideas. But here's the thing. i got to keep us rolling, okay? Ahab's introduction tells us that he was not listening to what God wanted anyways. As a matter of fact, his wife being um, from a different place, remember God told him not to intermarry with the locals. No, don't ever do that. Marry from your own people. Instead, he chooses to go and marry the daughter of a king, and he sees um, this whole thing completely fail. Why? Because, well, she was a worshiper, worshiper of Baal, and she absolutely loved Baal, and she convinced Ahab to build the temple, and she convinced Ahab, like, she was running this relationship, right? And for all my leaders in the room, when you hear the term Jezebel, you don't think good things, right? Like, just putting it out there, it's just who it is, all right? We're going to learn a lot more why as we keep reading. You guys ready? First Kings, chapter number 17, 
Stay with me, Levi. Stay with me. All right. You two landed. All right. Here we go. First Kings chapter number 17. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God that I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kirith brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat from or eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kirith brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. This is crazy. Look at that really quick. So Elijah, he's a prophet. He's from this really small town. He goes to the king and he, war- he marches right in. He says, listen, king, God has seen what you are doing. And he's fed up with it. He's tired of it. So here's his punishment. Here's what he's going to do. There's not going to be any rain in the land. There's not going to be any dew in the land. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then God says, Elijah, Get out of there and hide now. Why do you think he needed to go hide? This was not a good message, right? Can you imagine this message right then? But this is interesting, right? What message do you think God was trying to send with the judgment in the form of the drought? It's the next question I got for you. Go ahead. What message do you think God was trying to send with the judgment in this form of drought right here? What do you think he was trying to tell the people of that time? Ten seconds. Tell the person next to you. Trick question. Trick question. So God, um, God gave the Ten Commandments. The first of the Ten Commandments is, read, read. What's the first of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other. Hey, let's go. Good job, Reed. Good work, good work. Okay, so you shall have no other gods before me. Who do we say that Jezebel's God was? B-A-A-L. Baal. Baal, Baal, whatever you want to call him. I don't care. He's a false god, okay? He's a false god. But here's the thing. Baal was believed to be the god of storms. He was supposed to be the god with power over lightning, rain, and fertility. And so when God attacked this time when God said, hey, guess what? Like, it's not going to rain. Not only is it not going to rain, you're not going to have dew. What happens if it doesn't rain, guys? Drought. And what happens in a drought? You have no what? Water. You have no food. Right? Your food eventually runs out, right? Three years in, we see this is happening. There's this crazy story, Elijah's with a widow. If you keep reading in 1 Kings 17, highly recommend it. Absolutely crazy story. where God keeps showing up in the form of this alabaster oil jar. I I highly recommend, go read that. But today, I want to take you to our main passage. Our main passage is found in 1 Kings chapter number 18. This is where it picks up three years later after Elijah had went in and told Ahab, hey, it's not going to rain, and guess what? It didn't rain, right? This is where we pick up. Check this out. Got a lot to cover. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become so severe in Samaria, so Ahab summoned 
Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. All right? Obadiah was a devout follower of the Lord. Once when uh, Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He had put 50 prophets in each cave and he supplied them with food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, we must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah, Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming towards him. Obadiah recognized him at once and he bowed his head or bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my lord Elijah? He asked. Yes, it is, Elijah replied. Now go and tell your master, Elijah is here. Oh, sir, Obadiah protested. What harm have I done to you that you are sending me to my death at the hands of Ahab? For I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on earth from end to end to find you. And each time he was told, Elijah isn't here. King Ahab forced the king of that nation to swear to the truth of his claim. And now you say, go and tell your master Elijah is here, but as soon as, you, as soon as I leave you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. And when Ahab comes and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all my life. Has no one told you, my Lord, about the time when Jezebel was trying to kill all the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of them in two caves and supplied them with food and water. And now you say, go and tell your master Elijah is here. Sir, if I do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. But Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. So Obadiah went and told Ahab that Elijah had come. And Obadiah went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord, and you have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel to the prophets of Mount Carmel. Let's stop right there just for a second, okay? A lot just happened, but here's what you need to know. Elijah shows up. He tells Obadiah, who's the faithful servant of the king, he says, listen, tell the king I'm here. Tell the king I want to meet. Tell the king it's about to go down. The king was mad. Why was the king mad? Well, he assumed that Elijah was the reason that the drought happened when God really was it. But, God, but Elijah was just the messenger, right? He had looked everywhere for him. Why did he look everywhere? Well, he wanted to kill him. But this is the time where he's showing up. This is the time where he's like, hey, let's have a conversation, right? Man, this next part, guys, blows my mind, okay? As a pastor, it's my job to, uh, to preach, to give you guys the, the word, okay? That was Elijah's job, too. He was a messenger from God. He was a messenger telling the people what they needed to hear. And here is what they needed to hear. Verse 21, it says this. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people 
were completely silent. As a messenger, as a pastor, as a guy, if this was my job and, and, and I came before you and I told you this, man, I'm expecting some kind of response. And their response of just quietness was not the response Elijah was hoping for, right? But it's time to take it to the real test. This is the story that possibly you've heard before, okay? Let's jump into it. Verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, or lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and I will lay it on the wood of the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your Lord God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. There was a showdown going down. There was something that was about to happen, and Elijah says, hey, here we go. Let's get it going. He says, here's my challenge. He says, two bulls, that's what we need, right? Two bulls would have been a big deal back then. Why? Because they were in a drought. Why? Because food was scarce. They didn't know where it was going to come from. But they were going to show what was happening right here. And Elijah was going to show them what the real deal was. All right? I'm going to skip over a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you my portion of it, and I highly recommend it. Go home and read this, okay? It is a fascinating story. You see, Mount Carmel is one of those mountains. It was beautiful. It was lush. It was green. It had everything. It's where all the animals would have hung out. This is where it was one of the most beautiful places in Israel. But not during this drought. It was dry. And everybody knew that this was the place. And so this is the highest place they could be at the current moment. And all of a sudden, he says, hey, you guys go ahead. And he says this, let me give you guys the unfair advantage. Or let me give you the, the, the for me, I'm going to take the unfair advantage. You guys go first. You guys build your altar. You guys sacrifice your cow. Go ahead, put it up there. Go ahead, beg your God. Take all morning. Elijah does this. He goes over and he says, all right, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to watch and see what happens, right? They're, they're, they're going for Bell. That's who they want, right? Oh, Bell, please let it happen. Oh, Bell, please send your fire. And then it says that when they were getting no response, it says that they started to cut themselves. They started to shout even louder, Bell, Bell, please show up. Bell, do something. Bell, please. And then it says this funny thing. It says that Elijah starts to mock them, Right? No, 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 really, it says this. You don't believe me. Really, go home and read this. First Kings chapter number 18 today. It says that he says, hey, maybe your God is sleeping. You should shout louder. So what do they do? They shout louder. Okay? When nothing happens, he mocks them a little bit more. Do you know what he says? Hey, maybe your God is on the toilet and he can't hear you. I'm not joking. Go read it. It's in there. So they shout louder. They start cutting themselves even more. And then afternoon, it happens. He says, all right, your time is done. It's my time. It says Elijah goes and he bows down. And he starts praying to the Lord, the God of Israel. And you know what he does? Lord, show them. Show them who you are. And what happens? Check it out. Right behind me. Boom. Exact image, somebody took a photo. It was crazy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, right? But no, seriously, God shows up. 
He says, put 12 stones here, one for each tribe, right? He says, douse it with water. This was a huge thing because they didn't have extra water to spare, but he wanted to show how big his God was. He wanted to show how great the Lord of Israel truly is. So it's soaking wet. They've got a little puddle all around it and everything. Everybody's like, there's no way this is going to happen. And the fire shows up. Everybody knows the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel is who Elijah says it was. It changes everything. Flashes. And then Elijah says this. Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let anybody escape. And he does something crazy. You know what he does? He kills them all. He kills them all because he says, hey, listen. You guys are prophets of the false god. You're not going to be leading our people this way. And then Elijah does something even crazier. Remember what God had told Elijah to go and tell the king? He had told him that he was going to end the drought. So he says, hey, rain's coming. And they're like, there's no way. It's a perfect, clear day. Nothing's coming. There's no clouds anywhere. And so he sends, um, the, the king sends his, his guy to go check for clouds anywhere. He looks across the ocean, nothing. He comes back, there's nothing out there. Looks across the ocean again, nothing out there. One more time, he says, there's a small, tiny little cloud out there. And Elijah says, get ready. It's coming. And rain comes because God shows back up. Then I want to take you to the very last little part here, okay? First Kings 19. This is how I, I, I know scripture is real. First Kings 19, you would think that Elijah is like, in the, like, best frame of his mindset ever, right? Listen to this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. Basically she's saying, hey, if you're not dead by tomorrow, then let the gods judge me. So Elijah is afraid, and he runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, bush and sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. This is an absolute crazy thing. And here's the thing. Big point, big takeaway today is simply this. We must be careful not to love ourselves or the things of this world more than we love God. You see, Ahab messed up. Ahab being the king, he had a chance to lead the people of Israel the right way, but he didn't do it. Ahab had a chance to, to, to truly, hey, Let's, let's bring these people back, right? Let's, 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 let's do what Asa is doing over there. Let's, let's do this the right way. But instead, he chose to marry Jezebel, and Jezebel was terrible. She led him down the wrong path. She set up idols in his life, and Jezebel was his idol. Whatever she said he was going to do. Guys, it's important who we marry. That's why it's important who you date. That's why we're doing that relationship series on Wednesday. I'm telling you, it's important that we understand these things, okay? Because it's so simple for us to get tied up into an idol in our life, and we start to let it overtake God's spot. Remember, God's size whole. God's size whole in our heart. And we'll try to fill it with anything we can. That's what all these people were doing. 
They were looking to their king, and their king said, hey, here's the guy. Be yourself. Jesus says this in Matthew 16. Last passage I'll give you, and we're going to get out of here. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you want to try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That question should be asked to those prophets of Baal, the prophets who sat there and just pleaded with this false god over and over again. Show up. Make me happy. Show up. I know you can do it. But now let's flip it. Think about your own lives. Instead of the Lord, the true God, what are you asking to make you happy each day? What are you asking to take the place of God in your life? To show up and to make you happy. Remember, we must be careful not to love ourselves or the things of this world more than we love God. Because if we do, we can easily become just like those guys, just like King Ahab, and start following after false gods. Let me pray over you and let's get out of here. God, today.